0: Hey, you're back with Mikey. Can we keep it real? Podcast. We got Coach Ryan McCormick on the line, and this morning we've been talking about what's going on in Warwick and what's going around all around the state, with a lot of different schools, um, school committees canceling sports programs. But um, we're gonna talk to Ryan about a few things. Um, how you doing, Coach? Good morning, Mike. You know, welcome to have you back. It's been a while. So we got Coach McCormick on the line. How you doing, Coach? Good, how you doing? Not bad. You know, it's been a while since, since we talked. What's been going on with you?
1: Uh, we just, we're just we finishing up a couple t- transfers um, to UMass, and we're getting ready to head into preseason camp in, you know, T-minus less than two months, so, um, you know, we're we'll kind of getting ready to roll into the 2019 season, and then we're starting to look at the 2020 kids already, so... You know, that, that new recruiting cycle, and right now, it's kind of, it's pre it's pre-pre-season uh, camp season, so a lot of the coaches in Division 2, II, Division 3, and FCS do a lot of FBS camps that their guest coaches invited to, um, and then even do a bunch of FCS guest coach camps, so that's what we're doing right now, they're recruiting.
0: And you've done a ton of camps, it's like you went on a tour this, this spring and this summer, huh?
1: Yeah, so, I, you know, I, we have a lot of friends. That, one thing about this business is that of NCAA football, I have friends up and down every level of college football that are close friends and also, um, you know, acquaintances that become close friends over time just from, you know, networking, and that's how that's how you find kids, and that's how, you know, really the college coaches very much talk. So, for us, you know, I have friends as far as, you know, Southern Miss, and I have friends in Michigan, I have friends down at... FIU, and I have friends at UT and Texas A&M, and you know Baylor and UCLA. Um, so people don't realize that the college football is a very tight knit um, networking. So even though come like game week, we might be, you know, we basically go on radio silence with our opponent, and we might have friends in that staff and vice versa. But after that game, you know, we're, we're back to, you know, we're back to resetting as just normal friends. Just through the week of the game, we kind of just go on radio silence and get to get to get to task. But people think. So they, they they don't realize that these these coaches all of us really are really good friends and we're all doing the same deal trying to find the kids and you know design the best offense defense special teams the best schemes possible and develop the kids skill wise so you know it's, it's all the same stuff we network to learn about how to get better you know everybody's trying to climb the ladder to get to the higher divisions and get to the national football league or the arena league or the xfl or or coaching overseas in europe and the professional leagues over there so it's it's definitely a um it's an interesting industry. It's very different than a lot of other industries.
0: So you so, guys share a lot of information between each other. So if you see a kid that maybe don't fit your program and you know he might fit, you know, a friend of yours at another school, are you allowed to pass that information along to him?
1: Uh, Mike, you're cutting out. What did you say? I'm sorry.
0: I said that if, um, if you have a, a student and he don't fit your program, do you guys pass the information back and forth to each other? Like, hey, this kid might fit your program or...
1: Of course, so so one thing people realize, if a kid wants to do a certain niche major that we don't have, we're not going to lie to the kid and say we have the major, because that's just not a good way to do business, so most coaches, I mean, there's a few that are are, are, there's a small small niche that are unethical and that would do that type of stuff, but most coaches in NCAA football at all levels have really good ethics and and really care about the kids, so you know, we don't have phys ed at UMass, we don't have physical education that's not a major we have, so you know, there's different programs out there from 1 all the way down to Division Three. They're very good at that major. For example, like Springfield's a good school for phys Ed. Um, URI is a good school for phys Ed. They have a strong physical education program. Bridgewater State. Um, you know, so schools like that that have that major will 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 pass along the information say, "Hey, there's a really good player." You know, I don't know if you guys looked at them. And the same thing that we have certain majors that other schools don't have, or that we're, we're really strong in that, um, you know, the kid would be a better fit at. Not because we don't want the kid, because it's, we're going to try to do right by the kid. As long as the kid's a good kid. The kid, you know, really has, has burned bridges and blackballed himself in the recruiting process and not really carried himself very well in the classroom and off the field, you know, as far as personality and stuff. Then and we, we will that kid's name will be passed around like, hey, don't touch this kid. Here's the deal with this kid. Here's my experience. And so as a coach, we share that information because no one wants to have a bad kid. No one wants to have that kid. that's a nightmare for four years. Or as a one and done kid. That doesn't make it after one year because just, you know, they're a problem off the field. and they're are a character issue, or personality issue. Because that can hurt the team chemistry. And no coach wants that. No, and I, I want to win a game based off two great opponents, you can not having a great game, and and give the fans a great experience to watch. and say, hey, I just watched the battle royale game. Those are two great opponents with great kids. Just. Playing a high level of football, just executing, and the best guy won at the end because of little minuscule things. You know, people really respect that. People want good competition. People really don't want to see a blowout because of stupid mental mistakes or kids doing bad things or dumb personal fouls. Like that's never a good game to watch as a fan. And as a coach, it's never a good game to coach in. So we, I don't ever, I, I, I never want to have. Performed at a high level, we performed at our peak level. Not because we don't want it to, be because an opponent just made a lot of really bad personal fouls, and that's not a good way. Of, that's not a good level of football. So for us as coaches and both sides, we want to have the best competition. We walk out. When we walk out of stadium that night. Those fans say, "Hey, I got my money's worth, man. That was a great game." Mm-hmm. We win, 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 or, win, or, win, or loss or draw, you know. So, and as a, as, a, as a as a coach and a guy that loves athletics that's that's there's nothing more you can ask for I mean, and that's why you know as a coach i you know we, we talk about this quality of football so in new england the level of football is getting better because people are really looking at that stuff so
0: i noticed that i noticed more big camps more big name coaches coming down um you mentioned you know the blackballing situation you know you see kids that you know they may be good in their respective town you know, and they, they think, oh, I'm Division One. I'm too good for uh, UMass or Keene College or Smithfield or whatever it may, may be. And um, so that could easily get you blackballed, right?
1: I, I, I try to explain to people, Mike, is that I have friends that two years ago, many friends that were coaching Division Three and Division Two that are no co- now coaches at the major FBS or Ivy League level. So they blinked, and they want you wind the clocks back two years ago. and They were coaching at smaller places than even UMass, Dartmouth, much smaller. And now they're coaching at UConn, or they're coaching at Southern Miss, or they're coaching at UCLA, or they're at big places, Michigan. And they, and just not that long ago, they were at small, much smaller places. And kids would like sometimes when those coaches try to talk to a recruit, they'd kind of snub them or be not the most diplomatic with them because they like, oh I'm better than, than that level mentality. And what these kids don't understand is that coaches, they, if they love a recruit, they love a recruit. I learned that from Donnie Brown. And so, you know, people don't realize when people jump to the higher levels, they think that kid potentially could, could elevate to that level because they like their character and their work ethic and, their, and who they are and how they treat other people. And they think they can rely on them as far as their, their their skills to be social and how to work with people. They might offer that kid. Now, if that kid blackball, you know, blackballs himself by being disrespectful to that coach, you're not on them to the love back when they're being recruited. Well, guess what? You, you, you That's a real bad thing to do. And so I, I saw this, this past green So, this kid's out there right now. They have nowhere to go. Well, they have very limited options and such limited options. The options are not really that good. And so, as a coach, I've seen it happen. I try to caution kids. I tell every recruit, listen, let me explain this to you. This industry is smaller than you think. And the deal is, at the collegiate level, let it play out. When a coach, takes his time and the only thing you can the most valuable thing in this world is your time like because you can't get it back you can get more money you can get more objects you can't get your time back once you once you give it away and so that's the most valuable commodity so when a coach gives you that time as a to you to that recruit they should really respect that of every coach and let it play out because if you're respectful of all the coaches and you do the right thing and you do the deal and you're in the work in the classroom and you're respectful to everybody around you and you're you're humble you know, you want to be confident but humble, and you and you, you realize that it's really hard to play college athletics at any level. Those kids go far. The kids that walk around with, a, with an attitude and think they're better than people and, 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 and aren't humble, those kids—they they, unless they're literally the most freakish athlete on the planet—they don't get recruited, Michael. They get unrecruited. And and, and I, I try to caution kids because I hear kids out there. Even around Rhode Island, the only recruiting areas say, oh, I'm I'm good, I'm going to play at only Penn State or or, or this place. That might be their their pinnacle of dream. That's fine to have that. But understand that it's a big ocean of recruiting. Recruiting has become global. It's no longer just in the States. It's now in Canada. It's now overseas in Germany. Because what's happening in football is that American football coaches have moved overseas and moved to Canada because of work or whatever. And they've built up the, the football from the ground up at the, the, the youth level. And these kids are being developed like they were in the States. And what's happened is because there's a passion for football globally, these kids are getting rapidly better in other areas. Now, 20 years ago, Canadian high school football was not very good on a global, on a global Canadian scale. It has now rapidly gotten better. I mean, the level of play Canadians come out of Canada is amazing amazing to 10, 20 years ago. And they, so that means there's more recruits out there more kids they're really good and, and because they're hungry because they had no opportunity really limited in canada or in europe they're looking at that as the states is like the the, the 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 utopia of college football so these people are there. There, these kids when you meet them they are so respectful and so humble that you're they're, they're a college coach no matter what level is talking to them they are mega locked in they do exactly what you ask them to do the problem is that, that means less opportunities to the state size kids because now there's other kids that it's like going for a job. You got more applicants. And they're really good. Hard to get that job. Same thing with that slot for as a college football player. So that's what's going on. So I really caution kids not to do that. I was like, you guys, I, I can't emphasize this enough. Don't be that kid. And so some kids listen and, 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 and follow the proper roadmap. And some kids, they just don't want to listen.
0: And it's a shame, you know, great advice. On the line, we got Coach Ryan McCormick. Now, if we could switch gears, Ryan, um, you know, last night, too, you know, big night for school committees around the state, you know, all month, all season, we've been hearing about it. Coventry threatened to cancel their sports, West Warwick, um... Warwick actually canceled their sports program Totally, westerly agreed to uh, come up with money for uh, feasibility for a turf field You know, what's going on with these schools? Um, how bad is it for Warwick, a big city, you know, canceling their sports program?
1: It, it's, it's horrible, Mike, on a bunch of levels We're geographically, is a very big area I mean, you have a, you have an airport there that now flies internationally Think about that so there's a lot of taxes on that stuff. And I don't know how much taxes the municipality of Warwick gets, but they must get something. So I mean, you get a lot of businesses in Warwick. You drive around Warwick, you got a lot of businesses there. So that should be how funding the tax base. You have a lot of residences there. You only have two high schools there. So I mean geographically you look at the size of Warwick as a s a city as you know, it's a I think Warwick geographically is one of the largest cities or larger cities as far as land space, one of the largest cities in other than Providence. And so it's one of the largest Areas, you got a lot of businesses. You got, you know, you, you got New England Tech has property there, some property there. So you got some college students there. You got C college students there. They're coming to work daily to go to school. I'm sure they go in and grab something to eat sometimes. It, either fast food or whatever. So there, there is sales tax coming through the city. They're getting part of that municipally. That's a statewide. So my my issue is like you have a decent a decent tax base, not a horrible tax base for sure. And I don't, you know, and, I, and I've not looked at the numbers specifically, but you have two high schools, which you know I, I, I have to go look at the enrollment, but I think they're right around a little over a thousand each, which isn't huge but isn't small. And you know, what, you, what you're doing is basically saying, don't send your kids to work public schools.
0: They needed I mean, to cut. They have a 1.3 million dollars sports budget.
1: Yeah, I mean, as a you know as a as a as a coach i mean it's not good because what's going to happen is with all with the, with the, the potential of kids able to leave now to go to different schools public with p-tech programs and pathways it's going to open up a door that you're going to have a lot of upperclassmen jumping out there's going to be a massive outflux and then the parents are on the fence of sending kids to private. You just legitimize the reasoning to, to send their kids private. And it's not just sports, Mike, it's the arts, it's it's music, it's 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 being part of just different and, and people say people are like, oh well, you know, we should just focus on just academics. Well, everything when you take a step back, everything is learning. It's just different types of learning. Like sports is a good vehicle of life lessons and learning. You know, it's just you know, when you get to the collegiate level for example, our playbooks and our and our stuff is is like a course, literally. It's it is literally the the equivalent of a, of a college level course. What we teach the kids in the classroom football, so and it's it's almost like a language, pretty much of how we it, you know give out information on offense, defense, and special teams. And this technique, just like this technique in writing, It's like this technique in math. So really, we start to break it down. It's learning. It's just a different type of learning with has a physical component, obviously. So. You're taking away part of the educational process, and that's not good. And, and so, and, and people, and sometimes you have to use sports or activities as a carrot, as a motivator, as a carrot at the end of the stick. And so, it's all how you motivate kids sometimes. And, and sometimes kids aren't just motivated by just the, the traditional academics.
0: No, they're and really so, not. And, Let me tell you. And, so go, and so, go ahead. So,
1: so the problem now is you're taking that completely away. And as a football guy, you know, I'm a football guy because I live it, you know, every day. But I, you know, but I have my children have, you know, different academic abilities. You know, one of my daughters is a very good singer, one of my other daughters plays hockey. One of my my other my third daughter, you know, does gymnastics, my son Ryan, is more into basketball now, he's at a prep school down south. And so my son Matthew's also into hockey and football. So, you know, I look at this and go, This is hurting all athletes. And so and all and actually all this is extracurricular. So
0: All the after-school programs. Well, we cut everything. After-school programs from soup to nuts.
1: And a lot of kids need the extra academic support after school and these, like, community school-funded type programs that these schools have and, you know, all these little different niches that that people don't realize are being cut. And, like, really, the quality of student or public school is going to drop like a rock. So what's going to happen is the people that can afford to get out are going to get out. That's a definite. That's going to happen. The kids that... Um, can go to the pathways programs and tech That's going to happen in a much a little bit slower wave, but doesn't mean an initial bump. And what these people, what the public public school system doesn't realize real fast. And I, maybe they do. I don't know. I, I'm not. I'm not in those conversations. But they better be very concerned because without kids, you don't have classes. Without classes, you don't have teachers. Without teachers, you don't need administrators.
0: Yeah, absolutely Otherwise, right.
1: <laughs> so, so I mean. I know a lot of school systems I've seen over the years where their enrollment went down and started cutting teachers so they don't need them. And then they start cutting administrators because so they don't need as many administrators. So those administrators, they be close to retirement because this starts happening in a massive outflux. Their jobs aren't very stable either. So whatever they're making, they can kiss that goodbye because they won't have jobs. Now, so, coach.
0: I know that Pilgrim actually has some nice seniors coming up this year. Um, What are they going to do? I mean, this really limits their options. Juniors, seniors, you know, kids that have a chance to really get into college. People that you might be recruiting or other recruiters. They're
1: they're mean, There's a bunch of, I know, I know Tollgate's a little bit younger team because there's two high schools in Warwick. Pilgrim, who's coached by Coach Blake Simpson, who's, who's done a phenomenal job, um, he's really revamped that program. And they're they're very progressive. He's a really passionate coach. He played college football at Anna Maria. He's a good guy. Um, you know, really worked hard with that program to to make them a lot better overnight. And he's 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 the type of coach you know Rhode Island needs at a lot of these high schools. He's he's like Dwayne Miranda over Wesley. Really, you know, obviously a lot younger, a little, a lot less experienced, but similar passion he wants to be good he's trying to do the right things
0: i call them I guys, know, guys the one percenters coaches like blake you know because blake's been on the show you know dwayne miranda them are like the one percenters i call them because they're the one percent of coaches that go all in you know well go- there's
1: other coaches around the state i mean because i recruit Rhode Island. you know the guy at nk is a great guy coach gil martin he works really hard um you know just to name a few obviously the head coaches ellis Sal Hendrick, and Hendricken are great coaches and that's why they're there because they, they do a lot and, and that's why they're successful. Um, you look at the, um, the former head coach of Moses Brown, Willie Edwards, who's now a Brown. The reason he's that Brown because he's a hard worker, innovative guy, highly intelligent. That's why Brown hired him. Um, and he will be very much missed from Moses Brown because he was really a progressive guy, did a lot of great things. You know, because he, he, they had similar threads of, of really good things where they were very driven cared about the kids athletically and academically and socially you know they really care about their kids Are they doing the right things at home Are they being good people off the field character wise they doing community service so they are they worry about sats and act prep are they you know they, they care about the total student athlete which made it make them great coaches and so and there's other great coaches around the state you know um the head coach over at east greenwich coach george great guy john's a great guy does a great job um you know coach Ble- coach blessing over at um Eric Gansett, very small school, living in a pool, but was working real hard. Uh, Cliff was the new head coach at EWG, very passionate. You know, a lot to learn, obviously, because he's a new head coach, but very passionate. You know, Coach Dunbar at Coventry, great coach, very passionate. Um, so, I mean, you know, you got these great coaches, and there's more, you know, I, if I could sit down and go through them all, there's a lot of great guys in Rhode Island.
0: So, oh, yeah, yeah, definitely.
1: And there's, there's some other coaches that really need to step up their game, too, on the other end of the coin, but for the most part, the right guys are starting to take over these programs. And that's why Rhode High School football is improving. That's why there's more kids that are getting better, athletically and academically. Um, and, and so, you know, but this is really, it's, it's upsetting to me because you hear the, the big knock. There's a big argument in undercurrent. And I'm on the outside because I'm recruiting kids from public and private as a college coach where people complain about Bishop Henrik and LaSalle. And, you know, specifically those two because of the bigger privates. Obviously know, honestly, Saint Ray's has good players too. They have a lot of kids playing college football. We have them. Coach Sassy does a great job. You know, they're a great school. Uh, you know, again, but what, what the complaint is that they will say, "Oh, well, they're, they're better because they have blind My my response is, "Then do what they're doing," and that's the issue. The problem with the public schools, well, not all of them, but a big a big undercurrent, is that the people at the top administration don't realize what it takes, infrastructure wise. To be good at a high level, athletically and academically. They don't really understand. They think they do, but they don't. And, that, and that's and I, and I, I attended, because I'm a West, originally from Wesley, and that's where I went to school, and I have a lot of pride that I went there. I attended a school committee meeting last night, and I listened to people that literally did not understand. And so, that was very eye-opening. And so a gentleman got up, Mr. Gorman, he's Originally from West, but lived down in Oklahoma for a long, professionally for a while, and saw a different part of the country and what they put into infrastructure wise into the, the game of football and other sports too. And so there's not something special in the water that the kids just genetically automatically become mutant student athletes. What it is is development and attention to detail the little things and infrastructure to help the development. And so it can be done at the public schools in Rhode Island and other parts of the country because it's been done in other areas. The issue is it's not being done, and my question is why? And the issue is, New England, there's more financial infrastructure in New England than other parts of the country. You go to other parts of the country, there's much more impoverished areas, um, You know, parts of Florida, parts of Alabama, I've seen them. And so I've been to more than 400 different high schools in my career recruiting. I've been down to some of these schools down in Miami, down in Bay County, Florida. I've been to Mobile, Alabama. I've been to parts of Nashville, Tennessee. I've seen these parts of the country. I've been to the Carolinas recruiting. I've been to the DMV. I call it, you know, you know, uh, Washington D.C., Maryland, Virginia. And there's some obviously very wealthy communities, but very, very impoverished. they would make the Providence like a financial mecca, and so Providence is a very impoverished city in the state of Rhode Island. So they have their own financial issues. So. You look at those cities and those other areas, and they get it done. And you go, "How?" Well it's about it's a it's a it's about valuing what you're going to put into it. So, and I'm not saying they should they should like you know the big the big faster aggressive argument was I kept hearing the undercurrent of well you know if we're not going to fund Paris for special education, we're not funding this. And like, my question is, why are you funding just both? You yeah, know, that, I mean, that, that, that's my thing. Is point. like, why is it, why is it a pick and choose? And so so that that's the issue. So, so what's, what's gonna happen is you're gonna have a massive outflux of kids that award public schools. Anyone that goes down that road of cutting corners like that, those schools are eventually with now with P Tech and Pathways, kids are gonna start jumping out faster and faster. And then with the privates, it's just gonna emphasize that what they're doing even more. And so you're gonna have this massive divide of have and have nots in schools in Rhode Island. That's what's gonna happen. You're gonna have schools that are really bad that literally have no extracurriculars, have almost no kids, and then you're going to have the haves that have... that their programs, if they continue to put money into it, continue to take steps forward, they're going to evolve forward. And they're going to to be massively successful. And so it's really going to create this divide, which is going to be interesting.
0: Yeah, I mean, they actually said they had to cut $7.8 million worth of items and programs in Warwick.
1: Yeah, I mean... You know, I, I don't know. It, it blows my mind. I don't know what the cost per pupil is in Warwick. But I've seen different numbers thrown around where as low as $14,000 a kid, as high as almost $20,000 a kid. And I sit there and go, that doesn't make sense. Here's why. So, you know, because it comes from the taxpayers. It, it's a line item. It comes out of people's taxes to pay for it. And so it's kind of odd to me where... A university, for example, like us, who have really uh, impressive facilities, our room board tuition fees, and mind you, we house and feed these kids for in-state mass kids is 26000 So you're telling me for just school, day school, your pay-per-pupil is $20,000, state-around numbers $20,000 a kid. You can't, still can't have sports. But we have all these amazing facilities at UMass. So we have 10,000 kids.
0: Yeah, it just it just I mean, makes it just, no mathematics
1: sense. Don't add up. That doesn't. And, and our our professors make way more money per professor, and make way more money for administrators than the public school administrators. I mean, we. we I mean, our our chancellor makes more than double what a superintendent Warwick makes. You know, our 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 vice chancellors make more than what almost what super, superintendents make. We have multiple vice chancellors on campus, so the numbers just don't add up, and it's mathematical. I'm, I'm kind of confused now. Obviously, I'm looking at it more broad-based scale, so I'm not looking deep into it for, as like a financial you know, advisor slash financial um, right. uh, analyst level, so this is just very broad-based, so I know people are going to be like, well it's much deeper than I understand no, you know, but- obviously, but it just, yeah, if that's not looking in it just something just doesn't add up and I don't know, and school, public schools based on their free and reduced lunch, lunch rate, get financial assistance from the federal government like 21st century money, you know, the money like that And so my question
0: is, like, where is this money going? I mean, they can't even (laughs) feed the kids. I think uh, Governor Raimondo just actually put a new proposal in that kids are going to eat for free in the state of Rhode Island, which why can't we feed these kids? (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, you you waste all this money and we can't feed some of these kids. And you want to Charahoe threatened to not let them go to prom or sports events. They didn't pass the the proposal, but it was a threat. And we threatened these kids. We use them as pawns. And they're all scare tactics, and it's and it, and they should be ashamed. I mean, playing sports should be a right. I mean, really, like so much you learn. I learned a lot playing sports. You know, um, camaraderie. You know, getting along with people, just working as a team, working as a group. And sports kept me in school. Yeah,
1: I mean, sports is a good is a good vehicle to motivate kids. You know, not every really kid's are just motivated by just the academic piece. The key is, you know. Um, Other parts of the country, the coaches don't even teach a class. They're full-time coaches. Like the head coach is full-time. There's a lot of high schools in Florida and Texas and other parts of the country. The head coach is full-time, and sometimes even two of their coordinators are full-time. Their whole job is not just down the field football stuff, it's just to track the kids academically. And it basically sits behind the scenes with the deans and and the vice principals to basically keep kids in line. When your coach walks into your classroom and says, come here, and pulls you out of class and says, listen, you're not doing X, Y, and Z. You, you, need to, you need to step up your game academically. You need to stop being disrespectful teachers. It allows the coaches to really lock down like second parents in the building on these kids because they don't have to teach class. They're on these kids hard. It also allows the coaches to help the guidance counselors to help the kids get recruited and get their names out there from a marketing standpoint. And so, so those schools down there that do that, those those guidance counselors, those, those principals love it because... Those kids are on lockdown. Those kids are not getting in trouble. When they do, it, it, the the issue is very short term, because they know that football is a big vehicle to get them out of the out of town onto a university, you know, both academically and athletically. So the students usually, in those schools, do very well academically. You know, I have a lot of friends that I've networked with that are full time, strictly just football coaches in high schools down south, making a very good salary, a livable wage, but they're doing a very good job with their kids. And so, and people don't realize that. They have no idea. So, they, they don't realize that the coaches down there are not teaching classes. They're just coaches full-time. They're not even part-time. So, um, you know, that's that's a business model they really need to start looking at. You know, it's actually just football, too. Other coaches are full-time. And the kids, they're, they're, they're kept in line. They're not getting in trouble in the hallways. They're not getting in trouble in the classroom. If they do, the coaches are on them so fast. If the coaches are picking up the phone, calling the parents, saying, listen, Johnny Smith is... is, is out of control. He's not playing this Saturday
0: night, Friday night. No, you're it, right, because when...
1: It, 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 it ends, it, it doesn't last more than a half a week. It's, it's nipped in the bud.
0: No, you're They're right. Fast. I see Coach Miranda walk into class, uh, send out a message, on remind reminding, says, oh, I don't like what I'm seeing on these on these GPAs. All of a sudden, you see, you know, my son's like, I gotta do homework tonight. I, I gotta study. <laughs> you know? Coach is on me. Yeah, you know, because they respect the coaches. They, they'll follow them anywhere if they believe in them you know um there's a lot of like like you said a lot of great coaches in rhode island speaking of rhode island football um you recruited rhode island hot um i talked to jake julinas father um a few days ago what a good ball player joshua sir like rhode island's almost ready to bleed umass colors yeah
1: we you know part of it is we um you know we uh we do a really good job in rhode island like because I'm a Rhode Island guy, and so I learned this from Timmy Cohen when I was coming out of high school. He recruited Rhode Island very hard, and so 47% of the roster when I played at Salve in the 90s was Rhode Island kids, and so which is a high number, and we were one of the best teams in D3 in the country, and we used to play D2 teams and beat them, and we used to play Stonehill, Assumption, Bentley, and we used to beat them religiously, and so at the time, back in the day, we even played Sacred Heart and Stony Brook, and we beat them. So and they were, you know, you know, non-scholarship, one play at the time. So, you know, he, he showed the roadmap of to recruit the right Rhode Island kids and put them on a roster that's kind of like a Rhode Island All-Star team. It was a pretty impressive um, team. And so, I you know I really learned from him um, at a young age in coaching that hey, this is how you build from Rhode Island. It's some really driven kids that are just hungry and have a have a have a, a I call it a chip on their shoulder to prove people wrong. And the Rhode Island kids, because it's so small geographically, usually they know each other personally, and so they have a common like respect for each other. And so, you know, the Rhode Island kids are good kids. And so, you know, and people say, "Well, why would you recruit them?" Or you know, he recruits a lot of even Wesley kids. I'm like, "Well, you know, good coaches never forget where they came from, and they value." And we're not recruiting every Rhode Island kid; we're recruiting the good ones, the kids that really have the ability. And a lot of Rhode Island kids who say no to. Them. They just don't have the ability to physically be on the field or mentally in the classroom.
0: So, How many Rhode Island kids did you recruit this season?
1: Uh, we, you know, we got a bunch of kids. So we have Lucerne out of Wesley. He's a great D.N. We, we call him an edge. So it's that Jamie Collins, Chandler Jones type edge rusher where you walk him up to the edge like a backer and send him. You know, So he's really athletic.
0: Defensive um, player of yeah, the year good. last year. Providence Gridiron Club. Defensive player of the year. USA Today. Um, you know exactly. it's pretty impressive. So he was one of the four in this recruiting class. We got
1: four what we call NFF kids, National Football Foundation kids. Before I got to UMass as a recruiting corner, we only had one the whole history of the program. So now in this class alone, we have four. So <clears throat> so he's one of those four. The other the other three are from Connecticut. <clears throat> but you know we had initially if you looked at the Golden Dozen. The golden dozen are around they had that golden dozen every year we had on campus and recruited eight of the 12 from the golden dozen so we tried to get all, all eight so that was a pretty impressive thing that's very
0: impressive you know um,
1: so we so we definitely uh, you know we definitely worked hard on, on, on Rhode Island so so we'll, we'll go through the state real quick so we and we have him um, great player you know I, I think he's put a little bit of size but he's got the motor he's got the ability. And so he's definitely going to push to see time um, early. He's we, we, he's just so multiple, Mike, and and, and and he's just got this like inner drive to be good. You know, he's just and he's a he's a humble kid, but he's a driven kid. He knows he's good, but he's he's humble, and so he's hungry. Which which I like that about him. He has a he has a great dad. His dad's a hardworking guy, smart guy, good guy. So he, he's he's we're real excited about him. He's he's a good player. So then let's go through the state from south to north. So the next, next, next couple of kids, we have a quarterback coming out of Cheroho. We feel had a lot of potential, the Judkins kid. We, I, we had him in a lot of different camps, and when he had good people around him, he looked really good. When you coached him one-on-one with, with quarterback-caliber coaches, he looked really good. Now, obviously, he's got to get bigger and work on his arm strength, but he got, he has a lot of teams to be really good. I think they struggled last year, Chero. Their line wasn't very great at times so i think that hurt them a little bit to get the ball they had a couple of decent receivers but they didn't have blazing speed they were had good hands they didn't have that top end speed so sometimes they couldn't get separation but he, there was a lot of times he threw he got the ball with people they just dropped it it wasn't because of him so we feel he's a kid that definitely will need a lot of work to build him up but he has a lot of potential and he's a real smart kid so we really like him um you know so he's a quarterback he's a solid quarterback Um, The next kid is the quarterback out of EWG. So he took last year off and took some classes at C C R I. He was going to come to us there before, but wanted to develop in the weight room a little bit and mature more off the field. It was probably a really smart move for him because he probably would have been registered the first year anyways. So he's the quarterback, um, Nick Carlino, at at EWG 6'5", long frame, very smart. Um, So he's technically a freshman. But he we went to see Stry for a year.
0: He had great uh, stats at EWG. I mean, he was putting he did, on some good he numbers. Them, he was the
1: last quarterback to take them to the playoffs in Division 4. And, um, again, um, highly intelligent. In 6'5", about 190, 190 Could get a lot bigger. Dad's a great guy. Mom's good people. Um, good family. Um, so we're excited about him because he's really – he's excited. He's excited about being pushed to the limit. He's excited about being part of – before we he, he understands he's going to need to build himself up. You know, even though he's six he's got to put more muscle mass on and do a lot of skills. But he's got the potential to be really good. So what we're excited about him. We have a lineman out of EWG, Dan Hackney. that's very good. He's 6'3", about 255 right now. But the deal is, though, he's not real heavy for his height. He's very athletic. He's, he's very flexible. He was also their punter, and very good, actually, as a punter. But he played in the line, O-line-D-line. So, you know, he's another kid and we're going to need to build him out. But he's, he's, he actually is very flexible. He's actually, um, has done martial arts over the years and is very athletic and great kid, great student. He was actually a merit scholarship kid. So was Judkins and so was Lesser. So they, you know, they're real exciting kids <clears throat> to have. So let's keep going up through the state. So, um, from, uh, Bishop Henrikin, we got, um, William Tuttle is a free safety, really smart kid. Over 1,400 SAT. um, Played on multiple state championship teams at Bishop Henrikin. Was a starter for multiple years. Was a nickel high safety. Brilliant student athlete. um, Comes from a football family. Mom is a province college grad. Mom's highly intelligent. Um, His actually family is the Tuttle family that helped fund the original Yale University. Oh, wow. So. He's comes from a football background, high football background, so we're excited about him. You know, he's a little bit smaller um, body weight wise but very highly intelligent football player. You put him in a room, in a film room, he can tell you exactly where he should be on every play. And so we're really excited about him. He's smart as heck. He's going to do pre-med, um, again, merit scholarship kid. So we're excited about him. Uh, well, let's keep going through the state. So out of St. Ray's, we have their running back, Pride Clark. He was an All-State kid, like LeSert, um, first-team All-State. Another Merit Scholarship kid, had a lot of big schools that recruit him. Um, we're going to use him because he can motion on the backfield, catch the ball in the backfield, he can run like a running back. He can catch balls like a wide out. You know, so we're real excited about him. He's about 6 feet, he's about 190 right now. Uh, he's got a good top-end speed, he's got a good burst. He's a sub-4, 740 kid. You know, he's been clocked as low as a four five nine. 9, so we're real excited about him. This kids St. Ray's does a good job with their kids. So we every St. Race kid we've had here at UMass has been a very good football player for us. Um, at a Tolman High School, we've got Calvin Contreras, who's an absolute mutant. He's six foot five. He's huge. He's six foot five, two seventy-five. He's very athletic. He's two seventy five, but he's lean. He's got like a thirty-six he's he's a tough, tough kid. He doesn't say a lot. I'll tell you what, when he comes off the ball, you know he's there. And he's a perfect Offensive tackle, such defensive end. We're, we're kind of trying to figure out where we're going to use him because he's so good on both sides of the ball. He was one of the top three difference makers at home last year. Uh, we, we recruited other kids off their roster. A lot of the Division 1 schools almost pulled the trigger on for scholarship. Um, very raw. So comes from a good family, and so we're real excited about him because at 6'5", 275, he could easily be over 300 pounds because he's lean, Mike, you saw this kid, he's long, and he's six five. He's still growing. The doctor said he might get to six seven. So we're <laughs> he's, we're real excited about him because he's
0: young. He's only seventeen as a senior. He can protect and the blind side for the quarterback. Oh, well, he's, he's, he's fast.
1: Every camp we had him at, he was torching FBS offered kids. And so because he came out of Tolman, and people give a lot of knocks to Tolman High School, he didn't get a lot of um. He, he it kind of hurt his and again. You know, you know, Tolman's struggle with some of their academic stuff as far as accreditation stuff. But to, but, but, the, but the coach of Tolman's a great guy. Coach DeLore, he works really hard with those kids. So, you know, we're real excited about him. And we'll keep going through the state. From Woonsocket High School, we have a sec- two-time All-State offensive tackle, Logan Berta. He's six foot four. he's 270 pounds. He's an All-American hammer thrower. That means he's got really good feet. And so he... He won the D2 State title. He was one of the best in that roster. Four-year player, three-year starter. Played a lot of football. Um, Patrick Pass is one of the coaches ex-New England Patriot. Um, Charlie D-Ball and uh, Eddie Ouellette, three of them really came to me and said, Ryan, you want to see the kid? And they had the Gomes kid. He's going to Rody play football running back. And so the two top kids we looked at that program were, were those two kids. Gomes, you obviously got the offer to Rody. And which is which is a great picker for them. I tell you what, that kid's gonna really do some great stuff for them. He's a great student, but the but, but the Berna kid is, is is a steal. We thought he was a borderline Division One football player, um, and the, the, the coaches the coaches from Rhodey said that you gotta you know they're, they're good guys. He said, "Listen, that kid's a steal, man. If we have more scholarships to play with. We would have offered him. So we, we love him. He you know he's gonna play offensive tackle for us, and he's gonna do a hell of a good job. He moves really well, Mike. His ability to pass block." And then to, 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 to zone block is really amazing. You saw that late in the playoffs. So
0: we're yes, excited about So <laughs> let's
1: keep going through the state of Rhode Island. So out of Burrillville, and that's been, Burrillville's been consistently like Weston, like Woonsocket, one of the best programs in Rhode Island, best programs in D2. Those three teams I call the three-headed monster. Those three teams are just cranking out players cause they have good coaches, good players, good community. So, um, but Burrillville loves their football like Weston, and Woonsocket love their football. And so, and so are the coaches. So, so we'll go through that, that team. So we had recruited hard three of their players. One of them that last minute, the Lockwood kid decided to go to prep school. Great family, great kid. And we wish him the best of luck. Um, he was going to come to us as like a flexed out tight end, but he decided to go to prep school for a year to work on his academics and, and see how far he can go. And maybe he'll end up back with us again. Maybe he'll end up somewhere bigger. So we, you can never tell at that. So the two kids we did get from them. Are really good football players First team All-State uh, Let's go to the first one Jake Kalinas. Jake Kalinas Was a 170 pound quarterback and he, and, he, and he was a quarterback Because he was their best Brainiac athlete He's smart Tough as nails Doesn't have the heck You ask him to do Ultra reliable um, Comes from His dad was a heck of a football player went soccer many moons ago And so he comes from A great football family um, And he was really the, One of their best players The last couple of years you know, you can rely on him. So he has put on—he's up to 187 pounds of rock solid muscle. If you saw a picture of him right now, you would be blown away. He ran right around at 10 meters in track. He never done track before, so he went on to track this spring to get better for football. And so he's up to 187 pounds. We've had him up for workouts already because he's already committed to us. Already signed the paperwork. Already, you know, paid his deposit. He's—he's—he's he's, he's, he's locked and ready to go. We in our strength condition department said, Ryan, this kid is locked in, like at an egregious level. And so when <clears throat> Costanero Ferraro said publicly that he was one of the best players in Burroville history, he wasn't just sugarcoating it. This kid is going to shock people in
0: collegiate football. I mean, I called yeah, I called him out on it because I said, you, you know what? That's saying a lot. I mean, I know Jake's a great athlete. I said, but you had a lot of great players in Barville And he said, no, nah, I'm telling you, this is the best kid to touch this field. Uh, coach randall because jake's a, a two-time um you know he plays multiple sports you know so and he didn't i mean they had a great season they didn't think they were gonna make to the playoffs because they jumped up a division so the kids a great athlete i enjoyed watching him the last few years and i watch so, all the good so players
1: to use him multiple ways. he's basically like a julian edelman type kid he's got that drive and it's like he's out to prove everybody wrong academically and athletically and I love that about that kid and he is literally when he says he's gonna do something he doesn't he pushes it that kid's out at five in the morning running he's up at five in the morning lifting he's studying hard like a machine he's got zero bad baggage this kid is like if he was six foot four 200 pounds he'd be at Notre Dame I'm telling you that right now he is really exactly what you want in college football and we are mega excited to have him because he's going to, he is, two years from now, people are going to look back and go, I didn't know that kid was that good. And so, which that, that excites me because this kid has it. So, um, so he was a definitely, you know, he's not the tallest kid in the world. He's five foot six, but he's 187 pounds of just rock solid muscle. He's chiseled, man. And he's just, he's all in. So we are, he literally is going to cause people major problems in the field. Cause he's fast. He's got such great balance. He is tough as nails, but he's also a great sportsman. He's not a kid that's gonna rub in your face, he's just gonna produce, he's gonna hand the ball to the ref and run back to the last yard and just crank. He's got one speed go. And he's and so we're really excited about him. So and I think he's the biggest deal in this class because people didn't think he was that good. They didn't really do their homework on him. And we know he's that good. So, you know, and like Lister, like Lister's that good, and you know, a lot of his kids are that good and, and so the other kid we got from Burrowville is Brendan De Charter. We call him The Mountain, because he is a mountain of muscle. So he had to have shoulder surgery in the offseason, or after the season. He played with a hurt shoulder the whole year. And so people didn't know that. And so we did. And that's for the only reason why he didn't get a big FCS-FPS offer, because the D1s knew it. But the D1s still wanted him. You know, he had a couple partial offers at FCS, and because he's such an amazing student, um, he got a great merit scholarship here. He's about five, just shy of 6'5", 6'4 like He's 315 pounds. He's back hardcore in the weight room, man, and he looks amazing. And he is ready to go. He is going to push to be a star right away. He's going he's gonna to be a real good four-year player for us here at the University of Massachusetts at Dartmouth. So we're real excited about him. Um, his dad's a great guy. His mom's good people. He's a good football player. So, and his, his parents are, like, again great people, too. That's the other thing. We we really look at the total package. We look at the, the parental infrastructure. We look at everything with, with kids like that because we, we want good kids. So, and he's that. He's a great football player. So, like I said, we're, we're, we're locked and loaded, baby. So, we're excited about him. So, let's keep going through the standard island. So, <clears throat> next team, we really, I've built a great relationship with their head coach, Jeff LaFerra. I'm probably butchering his poor last name. I apologize. The head coach of Central Falls. I'll tell you what, that guy does a lot of work with those kids great human being great role model he's a retired marine he's a he's a physics teacher in the building and he's a great network of other coaches very respectful of the coaches very you know didn't often they knew they had good players but didn't think they were going to have the success there because they didn't play all the games on the road
0: yeah they didn't have a home and, and game I
1: give that community a lot of credit it's not it's a tough community because in the sense that not a lot of money there I'll tell you what those parents are passionate about football and they're passionate about their kids and so we got two outstanding players out there. we looked at a lot of the kids. We won. There was like five kids on that roster we really won that I loved. And, and a couple we just couldn't get past the missions. And that's okay. That happens. And, you know, your royal kid's going to go prep school at AIA. And he's going he's gonna to kill it, man.
0: Wow, good and, and for him.
1: Man, if he does all the right stuff, like, watch out. That kid's going to have a good future. He just listens to the right reason. listens to the coaching. He'll do well. So he's had to AIA. And we're, we're excited for him to go do that then they'll really help him But the two kids we got out of them was John Acosta Who's a big, strong, really put together Offensive Offensive guard, defensive tackle That can play also strong side end uh, We're not sure we're going to use him yet Because he is very athletic, he moves really well um, He's about 265 6'1", but he's built And he's like, he's a man So, and he's strong And he's and he's really raw But he's really good And so he was, he was people can block him and so he had a battle royale game the Pilgrim Super Bowl game, the D3 High School State Title game, which was one of the best games in the title game last year because it was a back-and-forth battle that went to the end. And so, which hats off to both Blake and Blake, Blake Simpson, they had Coach Pilgrim and Jeff to the class because those two coaches then, it was, a, that was one of the most competitive games I've seen in three years of high school football. And so, <clears throat> at the end of those games, those two teams, you know, shook hands and was like, yo, that was just a great. It was like, a, it was like a two great heavyweight boxes going at it. And at the end, they just had so much respect for each other because they were two totally different type of style of teams. And so John is John's upside's huge. Good kid, good student. He's a top 20% kid in his class at Central Falls. Um, so we're real excited to have him. And, uh, you know, his mom's real excited. He's actually cousins of our wideout. One of our wideouts, Kevin Gonzalez, who played at um, St. Ray's from Central Falls, um, and mom, is, His mom's in the call, athletic hall of fame at Central Falls. You know, he's excited to have his cousin here and obviously different body type. big, jacked, strong lineman. And play plays bigger than he is because he can out-muscle anyone. And he benches almost 400 pounds. He's a big dude. So we're really excited about him. The other player we have is Tariq, De- Tariq um De Silva. So he, Tariq played everywhere for Central Falls. Very athletic. he play corner, he play safety, he play running back. Sometimes he's using the slot. He was like their most reliable guy like so they had two of the wives that could really burn with crazy top-end speed but this kid was their best secondary defensive kid as far as like keeping everything in front of them um uh, well, was one of the top 10 students in the school at central falls academic merit scholarship kid um uh, mom and dad are great people really intelligent people workers so we're real excited about him because he was one of the most unsung heroes the whole year where when they needed a plan defense he would make the tackle he would make the stop in the secondary um, he would make the, the first down third and four some way somehow. He's catching the ball, run the ball. So we, we, he's coming in as we categorize him as an athlete. He's just trying to figure out where he fits best. And he's got his attitude's great. He wants. He's like coach. Don't play anywhere. Just, just, just teach me. And he's just. So he's got a great personality. And he's going to get bigger. He's big. He's about 185 pounds at five foot nine, but he's jacked. So <clears throat> he could be 200 pounds. He's like a Patrick Chung type kid. He reminds me of Patrick Chung. He's just. We hit you, man. He hits. He's got. He's got some power behind him boy. He's a weight room kid too, and so he's a good baseball player too. So he's got great hips, great hand-eye co- coordination. So he can track a ball in the air like a, like a true safety can. So we're excited about him, you know. So I mean, <clears throat> and so I mean that just that just goes to the credit of, of you know who we've gone after in Rhode Island this class. I mean, we really shopped around the state to get a lot of kids, you know. So I mean. Oh, so we're excited. I mean,
0: that's a, that's a good core of kids I just mentioned right there. Oh, yeah, they're Atlanta. phenomenal. They're all playmakers. Um, You know, the Arroyo kid, too bad you didn't get him. You know, he was a good athlete. And Central Falls, you're absolutely right. That I give them all the credit. They didn't have a field. They don't have a lot of infrastructure. They don't have a lot of money. And they did very, very well. But, um, yo, thank you for coming on, Ryan. Anytime. Um, We'll talk very soon. Um, yeah,
1: so I mean, we're excited. We have some, we have some other transfers that are Rex Rhode Island kids. I can't mention it officially, so that they're a done deal on paper. But there's some high end transfers coming in here from Rhode Island, originally from Rhode Island. Nice. And real quick, and real quick, because I know you're, you're originally out of Westerly. We have the Nate Miller kid coming out of Stonington, Connecticut. So he was a an NFFK at Stonington, um, real good middle linebacker for Stonington. Was one of the best players in the roster there. Um,
0: they're gonna really miss him. He took on the um, Bulldogs.
1: <laughs>
0: what's up? He single handedly took on the Bulldogs. Thanksgiving Day game, yeah, I would he joke around. So, and he said a lot of really good accolades about
1: the Bulldog program. He said, Boy, I wish I had the rest of that roster playing for me. So he's a really humble kid, about 240 pounds He's really, he's working out with Ethan and EPS down there, and they're doing a good job with him. So he um, he's up to 240, he looks great. And uh, He's gonna be one of our Mike backers um, We also got a couple kids right out of the ECC We got a kid Liam Whaley a big 280 pound defensive tackle at East Lyme. We got Andrew Haas a DB running back out of East Lime We got Tyler Nelly an NFF kid all state kid out of Fitch who's their quarterback we, We're gonna use him as an athlete So you know we got a we have a bunch of East, uh, ECC kids not far over the line from Rhode Island we're bringing in out Connecticut, plus a bunch of other Connecticut kids are real high end. So we're really excited
0: to have what we're bringing in this class. So where can some Rhode Islanders get tickets if they want to go see a, a UMass game? If they want to, you know, go support their teammates? Because you have a boatload of Rhode Islanders, not only this year, last year, previous years. Um, you know what I mean? Can they go to the UMass.com um, website and buy tickets to the games? Yeah, you
1: can go on UMassT.edu, click on the athletics link. I mean, come to our, come to our games we, we start the
0: season with six home games so we real excited about that we had that before now i'm looking forward to going and and i know you can find ryan mccormick on facebook on twitter pretty much at ryan mccormick at everything you know um so um thanks ryan my my devices are running low on batteries but um anytime i'll talk to you soon and good luck to all these programs that are having financial problems um I don't know what it's going to come down to. Private funding one day. I'm they're Going to be just a handful yeah, of teams, I but.
1: I, I, I'm not, I don't have the equation to fix the problem. Yeah. Like, I'm just a, an outside person looking looking on, looking in. I feel bad. You know, it's, it's not an easy situation. I'm sure, but I, I wish the kids well, and, and, and uh, we'll still recruit Rhode Island. You know, All
0: right. Thank um, you, Coach McCormick. Hang on one second, Ryan. Um. Before you go, but um, that was Ryan McCormick from UMass Dartmouth. You know, I'm always happy to have him on the line. Uh, I'll be right back. Appreciate it, buddy. No problem. That
1: was.
0: Well, what's going on? We back. You know, playing sports, I think it should be every kid's right. I mean, for a town as big as Warwick to, to cut sports, I think it's it's horrible. I mean, that's what these kids, their dream is, you know. And this sports program is going to do more harm cutting it than good. I mean, and especially in this day of age when everybody's buried in their cell phones and, you know, kids are playing video games or worry about doing a Fortnite dance or or doing this or... just getting into trouble they have sports to turn to some families can't even begin to afford to send their kids to college so kids need that sports grant they need that education grant you know you're killing some of these kids dreams i mean how could this even be happening i mean warwick is a pretty big town i mean The school committee approved the amended, the version of a proposed budget cut. And they're also calling it a cut list, which unfortunately, it cuts the sports programs and many other things also, which, you know, when I find out more, we will get into that. I mean, students were actually lining up to speak. Honestly, I think a peaceful protest should be in order here. I think what's better, show unity across the state every town should have a peaceful protest to support Warwick support Warwick support Warwick we need to support sports programs we need not cut these programs these programs is just as important as your math class that nobody cares about your English class that these kids don't learn English these sports programs are just as important As that band programs, band, dance. These are all ways these kids could earn scholarships to get into whether you want to call them scholarships, grants, however, you know the NCAA, you know, sets the standards today. But yeah, this is this is just horrible. This is heartbreaking. You know, um, I mean really. How come we don't really see any cuts for the administration? You go in these schools, how many principals do they have? How many vice principals? How many deans? And I'm sure they're nice people, and I'm sure they do a great job. But where's them cuts? Where's the cuts in the superintendent's office? Right? How does a principal get to walk around with Armani suits? I mean, really. What are we going to do about this? Tommy Mezzanotti, you going to stand up? You're going to help people, like, what are we going to do about this? Is it time to start thinking about private funding for public school sports programs? Is it time to start thinking about, you know, football programs? You know what you do? Start your own booster club. Go do your own fundraising. That's what you do. You have your own entity. But I think this is just horrible. You know, and I'm not gonna get into it if this is what the Democrats want, if this is what the Republicans want. No one asked the students, but I think if the students all got in line and marched their butts down the town hall peacefully, a peaceful protest, I think that is in order. I mean, in no way am I trying to create any kind of ruckus. But come on, people. You all complain about Bishop Hendricken. Bishop Hendrickson this, Bishop Hendrickson that. Bishop Hendricken does this, Bishop Hendricken does that. Well, do what Bishop Hendrickson does. Spend some money. Don't be Pennywise dollar foolish. Wake up, people. You vote these people in. The election is a popularity contest. What we really need is people with real-life problems on school committees, real-life problems on town, town councils. You don't need lawyers and doctors and just people that, are, that know more people or they have a vowel on their last name, you know, or they make great soupy. No, you need regular people that bench through to struggle. Seriously. You know, but you'll fund studies for how many coyotes are in the damn woods, right? But you won't help these kids. Yo, this is actually heartbreaking. Like I really got a lump in my chest and my throat. Like, you're taking away these kids' dreams. Some of these kids have no no chance. And I can only see the dropout rate in Warwick. Oh my god, that's gonna bing. You know why they call it bing? Because it makes your mind bingy. Like people, I mean, I'm going through the internet and I'm seeing things here. It's time we wake up. It's just BS, BS, BS. Yeah, I mean, as I look through the Twitter page, you know, looking around Warwick, you know, George Rodriguez says, I hope you realize the mayor of Warwick is no longer a Republican but a Democrat. The one that used to be the mayor is with the Ripter at the moment, he would have never cut sports. Another one says, uh, Warwick be ready for low graduation acceptance rates. Yep, exactly. Um, another comment from Alex Gibb. Terrible. Really disappointed with this decision. Solomon has done quite a few things while in office, so I'm really troubled by this. We need an explanation. And we need this to be fixed as soon as possible. You know, so, you know, I actually know the Solomon family. And um, the mayor, Solomon, is, is, uh, is a relative. But, um, you know, it's a very nice family. You know, the Solomons come from Providence, Rhode Island, the Ave area. Um, they ran a liquor store, a drugstore, liquor store. Um, Anthony Solomon was general treasurer in Rhode Island. So they got a decent-sized family. You know but um warwick man what the hell are we doing man like i don't i don't get it i just don't i don't get it i really don't i mean you know we approve all these other things i mean and i mean this state is great at taking bonds but they're horrible at maintenance i mean so you know you spend money here you spend money there you want to build a brand new school that'll house what two grades three grades yeah let's 70 million's fine yeah why not 100 million why stop at 70 i mean really coach blake said the school committee has officially cut sports from their budget if you know someone interested in helping fund the pilgrim football team for the 2019 season please reach out so again anybody want to donate you know um you know, start a GoFundMe page for Pilgrim High School. Um, you know, Coach Blake, you know, I invited him on the show. We'll see if he wants to come on and, and talk about it. He was a guest in the past. Um, real nice guy. I mean, really, so, I mean, what are we going to do about this? I mean, are we going to help these kids? Is Maybe Gina Raimondo should stand up, you know, and uh, help some of these kids out. I mean, there was students testifying last night. In front of the school committee, um, Gianna Sorella's sister Cassie, and she was actually one of the many students that had tears in their eyes testifying in front of the Warwick school committee after it voted to cut funding for sports. I mean, people were just, they were very upset over this decision. I mean, it is unreal. I mean, you know, you want to just cut sports from the entire city of Warwick. I mean, some people are just like, well, and that came from Will Blackman, who made it to the NFL. He played for Hendrick in high school. But yeah, this is, you know, this just, this just gives me the shivers, you know? I mean, they're using these kids as pawns, punishing the kids because adults can't balance a budget. So let's punish... The kids I mean is this the ultimate scare tactic Really There's several Island communities You know They resulted to this in in the past They've done this But sometimes at the end of the day High school sports Never end up on the chopping block They did this time And I know some people like uh, Brandon McGregor Will talk about you know If you look at North um North Smithfield, One Socket, West Warwick and Cranston, you know, they all did it, but they decided better against it. You know, uh, like I talked about, Coventry did it, and they were going to come back and pick and choose what sports to go with, but, you know, rumor has it that if they did that, they would have had lawsuits, but they figured a way to make it work. Um, I think the Warwick School Committee has to come back at this, have another vote. You know, I, I think the public pressure. I, I think, you know, if the public really stands up and backs Warwick, not only Warwick, Rhode Island residents, because listen. Listen to me. Listen to me. If they could do this in a city like Warwick, they could do it in your town, Exeter, West Greenwich, Westerly, Johnston, Smithfield, Burrowville. Where does it stop? Let's all get together do what it takes you know to help these kids out you know what do you need done you know my platform is open and available to you who wants to come on and talk about this you know and and I know this isn't happening here it's happening everywhere but you gotta spend money man this is like you lack spending money where it makes money you know if it makes money it makes sense you ever hear of that like I don't know, maybe you need to let some people from the streets come run your school departments. Yeah, you know I mean? Maybe you need some people that know how to hustle and handle business and you know, because you obviously cannot do it. It's easy to budget money, right? When it's someone else's money, it ain't yours. You know, so let's pay for this, let's pay for that, let's pay for this. All the stupid things that you allocate money for. And then what do you want to do? You want to cut sports. Sports is my only kid's chance to go to college. I'll be honest with you. I'm not going to pop the piss in or wind it or throw it out of. My child's only chance on going to college is through sports and educational grants. Other than that, he's going to have to pick up a hammer and a belt and work his ass off and be like his father at 47 years old, broken have to result doing podcasts now to earn a living which it's great doing the podcast but what are we gonna do we really need to do much more to help these kids man we'll be back with more we're gonna talk about this today